This is the Bold Nonsense Podcast. Are we back? Are you serious? With Ad Walsh Disney. Just me in a castle. I gotta fight like a thousand wizards. The only way to beat them is to punch them as hard as I can in their faces. And with the captain. It's just captain. Captain gives orders on ship. My ship makes me captain. I don't even understand the reference. You don't understand what you said? I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's a bunch of nerds interrupting people who know what they're doing. Yo, what's up, everybody? The red light is on. The red light means stop thinking, get a little senseless with us. It's, uh, what is it, 9 2021 This is episode 161, and I'm Matt Walsh Disney, happiest host on earth. Absolutely. Next question. Okay, uh, this week, we couldn't record on Saturday, uh, which is our regular record day right now. Um, the captain, not here today, wasn't here on Saturday. He had a crazy scheduling fiasco uh, with coaching, so he couldn't make that. So we decided not to record then, and I figured I would just go today, Monday, and do a little reaction, um, but a little different show. So all we're going to do is trivia and then some one thing in a winner. I'm just going to go give you last week's results and then break down some of the games from this week. A little reaction to some of the big games this week, weekend. Um, not go through the whole thing. I'm recording right now. It's halftime of Monday Night Football. Uh, or the third just started and the Cowboys are up. Uh, just already scored. It's four, a minute into the third quarter and the Cowboys just scored another touchdown. They're up 27-7 to over the Eagles. So that's what I'm recording. Uh, also keeping an eye on that. And... Um, yeah, hopefully keep this one pretty short, hopefully like 25, under half an hour. Just go through, give my thoughts, some of my frustrations most likely. You guys know me by this at this point uh, from this weekend's games. So let's do it. And let's start with trivia. Trivia! Trivia! <laughs> trivia, baby! Oh. <laughs> Welcome back to Jeopardy. Gonna make that your final answer? You think you're pretty smart, don't you, Trebek? Okay, last week's question was, this season set the record for most teams starting a new quarterback on opening day. How many are doing it? Pretty simple. How many teams are starting a new quarterback or started a new quarterback on opening day of this season? It was 15 different teams starting a new quarterback. Saints with Jameis, Texans with Tyrod, Chargers with Herbert, technically. Tyrod was last year. Uh, the Rams, Stafford, Lions, Goff, Dolphins, Tua, uh, no Fitzmagic. Washington football team with Fitzmagic this year. The Dolphins last year. Jets with Wilson, Panthers with Darnold. All of these connect. You probably know why, which is why we have so many teams. Broncos with Teddy, Colts with... Wentz, Eagles with people who are playing right now, um, and Hurts, and then the Bears, the Patriots, the Jacks. There's a lot of teams. It's it's uh, one off of half the league, so a lot of teams set the record. Uh, that's a good trivia question for you that you can remember. 2021, most quarterbacks uh, to start for a new team on opening day, 15 of them. 
This week's question, very simple again. Who is the all-time leading rusher for the New England Patriots? Who is the all-time leading rusher for the New England Patriots? Find out next week with some good trivia there uh, and uh, a little fun fact along with that. Okay, that's trivia. Let's hit the show proper. One thing in a winner, little reaction time. I only got one thing to say to you. Who do you think you are? I am. You had one job. Just the one. Because I'm here. This is bullshit. So you get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Just one thing. You stick to that and everything else don't mean shit. I hope I win. One thing in a winner. Got to start with last week's results. Um, and... We have two people being very consistent. One person being completely non inconsistent. And then uh, one guy who just had a great week. Really no, really no statistical um, term for it. So Smooth and I, two weeks in a row, nine and seven. Very consistent. Bales goes from, what is it, four... And 12 to 12 and 4. No, he went 6 and 10, then he went 12 and 4. So horrible uh, to very, very good. The captain had a 9 and 7 week, and then he went 12 and 4. So uh, pretty good, very good. We'll see what he does week 3. But for the week 3 results, I'm not going to give him here, even though I know most of them except Monday Night Football. I'm not going to give him here. Listen on uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning to find those out. But let's talk about some of the games. So I'm not going to talk about all of them. I'm not going to react to every single one. But I do want to... I went through and the ones I had some pretty strong thoughts on. I want to start with Thursday night football. All the way back Thursday night. Panthers at Texans. The Panthers end up winning it. Uh, Darnold throws for another 300-yard game. Has another pretty good game. Um, McCaffrey goes out early and he has to support the team more than he has the first two weeks. And he does. And support is the key word there because the, the takeaway I got from this game was support, support, support. You can see the difference in the NFL and from the Jets easily. And it's not just Darnold. That's just the result. But look at the support from the top down to Darnold um, since new ownership has gotten there. You get new ownership, you bring in Rule, you give him a big contract, you support him, support him there. Then you look at Rule to his coordinators, uh, especially Joe Brady, who is always has the name more re- name recognition. There's support there. He allows him to do. Uh, his own thing and, and he's not micromanaging you can tell but if you watch rule on the sideline he's worried about the game as a whole which is big um, he's not he's not trying to get too far into the details because that's what you have coordinators for and if you get too far into offensive or defensive details then you are missing game management details uh, so that's what I really like support from the coordinators or from the head coach to this to the coordinators and it goes it always goes back. And we'll get to that. 
Joe Brady to Sam Darnold. That's, I think, the most glaring, the most obvious, is the way they are setting up Darnold for success. Because it, it, And the reason it's so glaring, so obvious, is because it's the opposite of what the Jets did. Support him. Uh, do what he does best. Understand what he's been through and make sure he doesn't get into those situations as much. I think that's been um, that hasn't been talked about much this year yet. He had such a bad line, Darnold, with the Jets. He had such a bad line that it, it you can always go back to the I'm seeing ghosts, which people like to to, to knock, and I think it's overstated. But all it, all all it meant was I'm playing too fast. I'm not saying things correctly. And you play too fast because you don't, you know, you don't have the protection that you need. And the Panthers, what they've done, conversely, is always give him a quick option. If you have, if you feel pressure, go here or do this. <laughs> you know, it's it, they've made it very simple. These are your reads. Go there. Pressure. Go hot route or get out and go here those kinds of things they always keep things in front of his face which allows him to make quicker decisions so i think the support from the offensive coordinator designing things for him to do what he did well in college do what he did well in new york and there were some things and avoid what what would give him what flashbacks PTSD or whatever from New York avoid those things so you don't get jet Sam Darnold and you get Panther Sam Darnold and that's what they've been doing they're basically creating a new guy uh, uh trying to get rid of his demons by setting him up for success that is support uh that he's getting and and it's all coming it all goes back so it comes down from the owner to the head coach to the coordinators and then to Darnold and and it, it's going back up as well, where Darnold is putting in the work. And this is culture. This is what culture is. It's, it's support down or, or top to bottom and bottom to the top, where if you're going to help me, I'm going to give it back. I'm going to do the work that is required of me. Uh, I'm going to do have habits of a professional. And so Darnold is giving that back to the coordinators. The coordinators, in turn, when Rule is supporting them by allowing them to do their own thing, they are getting the details right. They are making it so that Rule doesn't have to question, what are you doing? They have a plan. They're following it. They make it clear, concise, and they're delivering that to players. And it's all coming back. And then when that goes to Rule, Rule is supporting the owner by creating a culture and creating a clear and concise message that goes from, you know, every, everybody talks about the owner of the Panthers. He's very aggressive. Well, then Rule takes that and says, okay, well, our team's going to be aggressive and that's going to be part of our team. He takes that, he delivers it to the team and that all bounces back. So that's really creating, like the, you, you talk about the Browns before this iteration of them the Bengals forever is why couldn't they figure it out? The jets. Um, and they, you'd always hear like, well, they don't have organizational organizational fluidity or, or the same, same message throughout the organization. And that's what that is. It is just, there's disconnects throughout the building and it's a lack of support 
uh, going from going both ways. It might come from one way or it goes the other way, but it's not going both ways, and that's the issue. Support, support, support is why you're seeing success for the Panthers. Let's go to the Chargers and the Chiefs. The Chargers beat the Chiefs, uh, took them down. My biggest thing for the Chargers is their new head coach, Brandon Staley, he gets it. It, he, it, it is clear that he gets this, uh, what this new NFL is, is that we can still play fast, aggressive defense, and I can be a defensive guy, but I cannot ignore the offense, and I can't hamstring the offense by making them ball control and making them boring and just run, run, play action, pass every, every time. No, it's about, the, it's about the quarterback and having great defense, and that's what he wants to be. Uh, and I think he understands that to be a defensive coach in this NFL, you can't ignore the offense or you, or, or you can't try and repress the offense anymore. It's got to be, I've got my defense and I'm going to support my quarterback. Instead of thinking, I need a quarterback who won't screw up and won't put my defense in a bad situation. You think, I'm a defensive guy. I can, I can have a good defense in any situation I'm put in. Because I understand defense. I coach it up. Our defense is going to be ready for anything. Therefore, I can be aggressive offensively because even in the rare instance when we get put in a bad situation defensively because of our because our offense is being aggressive, we're ready for it because we're a defensive football team. And that's, that's what I think defensive coaches are going to have to adopt. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more that, about that later. Uh, and he also understands you got to control the line. I think the whole organization needs to understand you got to keep controlling the line. Yeah, I still think they have holes on the offensive line, and the defensive line could can still be better. They don't necessarily control those as much as I would like them to. I think that's the next step that the Chargers need to take to really contend uh, beyond the AFC West and really year to year within the AFC West. Uh, in terms of the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, the note I have is controlled aggression is out of control. So football is all about, all about controlled aggression, uh, whether you're tackling, whether you're running the football, uh, whether your, uh, your offensive identity is down the field plays. Controlled aggression. Be aggressive, but understand how to pull it back and how to be conservative. And the Chiefs right now do not know how to do that. They don't know how to do that in terms of uh, taking what the defense is giving them, just take the short stuff and have intermediate plays that can just get you a first down and, and move on. They're trying to look for the big play the whole time, every all, all game, every game. And they can't play conservative football, which is just like control the football when we get a lead. They can't run the ball. They got this whole new offensive line. They still can't. They still can't run the ball. And then defensively, they're the same way. Everything is pressure, 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 try and create turnovers and putting them in bad spots. And that only works if your offense is clicking on all cylinders. And right now it's not. So they're, they are out of control at all times in terms of like, they're a train on the tracks, but, but they got no brakes. They're just, their weight is, is flying them down the tracks and they don't know how to how to pull it back right now and i think that's their big issue is they, they own they only have the one way to do things and that's all out all the time and you in the nfl you got to be able to, to uh to pace yourself and they can't uh the cardinals and the jags for me the only thing is the cardinals the cardinals for me 
Uh, I, this is the image in my head. It's the Cardinals. I still don't believe in them. And and take that what you will. Maybe I'm a hater. Maybe maybe I'm right. I think I'm right. Uh, but for me, the image for the Cardinals is this blank sheet of paper. You know, just a regular sheet of paper. But every week, it's like a new kid has a pencil and they're just poking different holes in that paper until by the end of the season the last kid knows all the holes in the paper sees all the holes there's almost no paper left because there's too many holes where do i even punch and that's what i i feel like the cardinals are they start out strong and then every week more holes get poked into them and people find more and more and more and more holes and by the end of the season they got nothing left because every, all, all the holes have been found. All the holes have been made. I, and until, I, I, until that gets out of the Cardinals, because uh, right now it's just like this: they do the thing and if it, it works or it doesn't work. And defensively, they start out strong, but they always fall off because they don't have enough pieces. Or people figure them out and people can't adjust. And that's what I think the big issue is with this coaching staff is that they've got the thing, but they don't have the other thing. They've got the right hook, but they got no left to counter it. When the when the opposition takes away the right hook, they've got no left. And that that's the one punch coordinator is what I what I've always referred to it as, and that's what I think they are. So when people poke holes in them, they've got no way to repair them. Okay, the next game I want to talk about. The Steelers. Steelers are beaten by the Bengals. The Bengals are who the Bengals are right now. I don't I don't think they've got any like huge differences that they can make, but the Steelers is like, what do you do? Because right now your your biggest weaknesses are weaknesses to each other. I will explain. The biggest weaknesses right now, other than injury, because uh, you can't you can't fight against that. If you have what they call cluster injuries, which they have on the defensive line, that's what you have. They had, what, four defensive linemen out? Or they, and they will. They will continue to. So if you have four of your best defensive, uh, four of your best five or six defensive linemen out, and that's your strength, that's kind of hard to overcome. But offensively, it's really where the story is. Their offensive line's a weakness, and Big Ben's mobility is a weakness. And those two things hurt each other. The offensive line can't protect as much, and Ben can't get away from it. Big Ben can't move, and the offensive line can't protect as, can't protect as well. So it's like, not only are they your weaknesses, but they're fighting against each other. So uh, what do you do? How do you fix that? There's only one way to do it. And, and that's the offensive line needs time, and Big Ben needs to be younger. That can't happen, so you've got to find somebody who can help the offensive line. The Steelers, the Steelers already screwed themselves. They screwed themselves years ago by not seeing the writing on the wall and not planning for the eventual demise of Big Ben. And maybe it was that they were too scared to do it because Big Ben didn't want them to. And that's also screwing themselves. So either way, they screwed themselves. Let's go to... Um, Let's go to the Dolphins Raiders. The Raiders are the story here. They beat the Dolphins. They go to 3 and 0. And the note, honesty breeds adjustments. So, the Raiders were honest with themselves. They didn't um 
They call it the sunk cost fallacy, where you put cost or you buy something at uh, at high cost and you won't get rid of it because you already put the money in. So you keep sinking money in, even though nothing changes. The Raiders are not doing that. Clellan Farrell was a healthy scratch. They've gone away from rugs and made him a piece, but he's not the piece. Uh, Jonathan Abrams, a piece, not the piece. And they were willing to draft Trayvon Merrick, even though they just drafted Abrams. So those are the honesty things where they're saying, you know, Abrams can do this, but he's not who we thought he was. He cannot cover anyone. He's d- he does the one thing. He hits people. And he hits them fairly hard. But he's inconsistent. He's out of control. He's undisciplined. We need to find a safety who is those things. Who is everything that, that Abrams isn't. So that Abrams can be what he is. And those kinds of honesty. That, that intense honesty that they've had with themselves have allowed them to fill gaps in their roster that's allowing them to be competitive now. And there's also things where they were honest with themselves in a positive way. We've got this great offensive line, but it's getting older, and we've got young pieces that we think are good. So let's use the older pieces, make our offensive line younger, and get pieces back or get draft picks back using those old pieces. That's positive honesty. That's, you know, you are getting rid of people, but it, but it's betting on the things you, you got right, not just the things that you got wrong. So they got wrong. Abrams, they were wrong on. Ruggs, maybe they weren't wrong, but he wasn't exactly everything they thought he was. Uh, and then Cleland Farrell, wrong. But you were right on young offensive linemen. So things like that. Honesty breeds the adjustments to their roster, and that's why they're having success. Let's go to the Bucks and the Rams. The Rams, uh, for the Rams, it's, you know, they're 3-0 and now. Rams additions add wrinkles. And really, that's Stafford. Ram, the Rams are, they have more that they can do now. It was, it, it's more than just the boot. It's more than just the play action. Now, if McVay wants to draw up some crazy route combination or some crazy trick play with just a drop back quarterback, he can do it. Uh, so he's unlocked creativity and by adding a guy who can do more at quarterback. Uh, I still think they're a little thin in terms of depth, but when you've got the, the top end talent they have, you can make things happen. Two more games that I want to talk about Seahawks Vikings, uh, really, this is about the Seahawks. Uh, actually, this is about both head coaches for the Seahawks and the Vikings. And this is where I want to go back to Brandon Staley, head coach of the Chargers, defensive guy, young defensive guy. Talk about the difference between Staley and these two head coaches. These are two head coaches that have refused to allow or um, to different differing degrees have stifled their offenses because they believe that the offense should never put the defense in bad situations. And Staley believes that he can handle and his he and his defense can handle any bad situation that they get put into. And Zimmer, the Vikings head coach, is at the far edge of that. 
where he just wants a guy, a conservative Kirk Cousins quarterback, who's not going to screw anything up, don't turn the ball over, don't try and make any big flashy plays, and you see that they they tap out or they, or they reach the their ceiling every season and they can't get beyond that. And that is philosophical. The Seahawks, they do the same thing. Now, Pete Carroll's allowed the offense to be a little bit more aggressive uh, than Zimmer has. You have to when you have the quarterback like Russell Wilson, but they still reach that ceiling and can't get beyond it and haven't been able to because the defenses that Pete Carroll used to have are not there anymore and you're still unwilling to allow the offense. You're still unwilling to really unleash the quarterback level and believe in your defense. So that's the difference between Staley and a, a young defensive co- head coach and older defensive head coaches. And that's what I think, Brandon Staley is what I think defensive head coaches are going to need to get to. And, and uh, these older head coaches, you know, it's hard to learn new tricks, but they certainly can. If they looked at Brandon Staley, I think they could take, um, take, some, take some lessons from him. The last game I want to talk about, and this is the big one, Packers at Niners. The Packers end up winning it on a, on a late field goal. And most of this is about um, most of this is about the Niners. You know, the Packers took it took advantage. Their offensive line played incredibly well, and I think that their game plan, they saw a couple corners. The Niners lose so many corners. I think I think what people tend to miss is the deep shots that the Packers were taking. That was calculated. They saw corners go down for the Niners. New corners come in. And this isn't even a diss on the corners that the Niners were playing. But this is a, this is a, a lesson in, in logistics like, and just the time for the Niners and what the NFL, in the time you have in the NFL. And something I think people overlook is that the Packers and pretty much every team, when something like the injuries at the corner position to the Niners happens, Every other team, or, or most head coaches, coaches in the league have been around, even LaFleur, who hasn't been a head coach for long, but he's been around, they have dealt with things like that before. So they realize the time constraints that the Niners are dealing with on the other side. Just time-wise, not even players-wise, but time. The CBA right now has it that practicing isn't really a thing that people do. You can't practice as much. Your reps are limited. Your time in the facility and your time requirements at practice are limited. So what the Packers know is whoever the Niners bring in, they don't have very many reps. They don't have much time on the football field to get ready to play. So we know that they're under the gun already. They're they're behind the, the eight ball already. Let's take advantage of that. Regardless of who it is, let's take advantage of the lack of time that these corners have had to get ready for us. And that's why you saw more deep shots. Uh, other than that, the 49ers side, Jimmy G is, is ruining this team. Uh, people want to say he played well last week in the second half against the Eagles, and he did, but he Thank God, because he would have lost his job if he didn't, because his first half was atrocious. And he was the single reason that they 
that they weren't beating the Eagles by more. Missing regular throws on third downs. His first half of last week and this whole game against the Packers will show you why the Niners had to draft a quarterback. He is carried by teammates and by scheme. Kyle Shanahan has to call the perfect play, and then his teammates have to make great ones. You think about even even the drive late in the fourth quarter that they scored on. Kittle makes a great catch and run, breaking three different tackles to get a first down on third and long. Debo Samuel makes an incredible catch through a defender on third and 10 on a badly thrown ball. And if you're not watching, you just see, oh, well, he, Jimmy G led them down the field. Jimmy D didn't lead shit. His teammates carried him down the field with great plays. He is holding them back. He is their biggest issue. Not that everybody else played well because Alex Mack was absolutely brutalized by Kenny Clark uh, last night. He played horribly. Horribly. His pass protection was bad, and he was a big issue for them. So he's going to need to pick that up. But when he played well against the Eagles, it's Jimmy Jimmy G. And then even Jimmy G's long interception, he's trying to make a play down the field, but he doesn't have the arm strength. That ball sits up there, it floats, because he doesn't have the arm strength to drive the ball, uh, and that's why Jair Alexander could run under it. So that's an arm strength interception. He doesn't have the arm strength. He doesn't have the accuracy. He doesn't have the feet in the pocket. And he gets jumpy back there. So he's their biggest issue. They're fighting against him, not with him. Um, And then my last thing is just like, I thought we were beyond playing prevent defense when you've got 37 seconds and no timeouts for the other team. Just allowing, allowing free releases, allowing inside inside routes to the middle of the field right in front of the to get in into the quarterback's eye line thought we were done with this no pressure on Rodgers it doesn't work and everyone knows it so I don't understand why defensive coordinators are doing it it's because they get tight they get scared this is a first time defensive coordinator or a new defensive coordinator for the Niners and he just choked they all choked stay aggressive thought we were we were done with this okay so that's my thoughts on, on a good amount of games. Uh, update, almost the end of the third quarter, Cowboys up 27-14. There we go. Just wanted to give some thoughts on some of the games. A little reaction. Wanted to make sure we got a we got an episode out to you guys. Uh, so hopefully the captain schedule won't be as crazy this week and we'll be able to record on Saturday and get that to you Saturday night or Sunday morning. You can listen before NFL games start on Sunday. Other than that, A huge win by Notre Dame. Stop doubting them. They're going to get another one against Cincinnati this week. And we will see you uh, come the end of the current week. Later. We came, we saw, we kicked its ass. Thank you very little. I hate goodbyes. It's over. Go home. Go. Go.